Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. God, we're here to hear from you. God, your presence is already here. God, thank you for speaking to us today. Open our hearts so that we can receive what it is that you have to say, God, and open our ears so that we can hear it. We need you, God. We forget about anything that we have coming up this week, and we forget about whatever happened last week. We take this moment, and we focus on you. Focus on your word. Focus on what you're saying to us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Oftentimes, we wonder why God hasn't gotten involved in our situation. And I realize, for me personally, and it was an adjustment that I had to make, is that he hasn't gotten involved because we haven't given him license to. We haven't given him permission to. See, we give God access and permission uh, to get involved on our behalf in this earthly realm through prayer. Sometimes we have situations, and, and I know uh, uh, mom is like this as well, you know, where something will be going on, and uh, most of you who are, are moms will know that something will be happening and going on with our kids, and we'll, they'll come up to you and say, this is going on, that's going on, or what do you think, what do you think about this, what do you think about that? And the first thing you'll say is, well, have you prayed about it? <laughs> and then they'll have that look on their face. But turn around and things happen in our lives and we try to figure it out and we try to process and we try to uh, uh, make ways and, 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 and manipulate and, and sometimes we just need somebody to tap, your, tap us on our shoulder and say, have you prayed about it? I can't tell you how many times, you know, something will be going on and I'm like trying to just work it out, trying to figure it out and, and then I, I have that moment where I think like, oh, I never prayed about it. You have not because you asked not. We must value prayer. We must come to an understanding of the value and the significance of prayer. I cannot convince you to want to pray. If you are a believer and you have been saved for any amount of time and you don't have a desire to speak with God, that's not something I can help you with. We have to have, a, it's something that comes from inside of you. It's, it's something that happens as you're, you, you begin this relationship and as you begin this life with Jesus. It's something that happens on the inside of you. That's where prayer comes from. The depth of prayer is, is derived from relationship. Communication is derived from relationship. You meet somebody you like, and that first conversation is awkward. It's, how old are you? Well, how old are you? What's your birthday? What's your birthday? What food do you like? What food do you like? What color do you it's, it's But as you continue in relationship, the communication gets stronger, and there's more and more that you talk about. There's more and more. You're in depth. You begin to know one another, and that's exactly how we pray. 
That's how we pray. The depth of prayer is derived from relationship. I'm often asked, well, uh, how do I hear the voice of God? Prayer. How do I know the will of God for my life? How do I get closer to God? Prayer. How can I find out the purpose of God in my life? Prayer. When will the kings get to the playoffs? Well, this only comes by fasting (laughs) and prayer. (laughs) Communication with God has to be as important as the air we breathe. Pray without ceasing. How do I pray without ceasing? It's it's saying, hey, in everything, prayer. In everything, prayer. We shouldn't be able to go by in our day without spending time with God and feel like something's missing. You shouldn't be able to just, oh, yeah, you know, and and not feel like something's off. Just like you're not going to wake up and have a whole day and not speak to your spouse without your spouse thinking, what's wrong with this fool? What's this? Why? Because communication is essential. Our communication with God has to be essential in our life. Prayer. I wonder how many questions would get answered, how many uh, potholes in life would be missed, how many situations would be seamless if we just dedicated ourselves to prayer, if we just committed our life to prayer. When we look at stories in the Bible of people who prayed and we see God answering their prayer, it's not like they just prayed one time or they prayed one day and then God moved. No, these people were people who had a lifestyle of prayer. That's why God answered their prayers. Then just pick up the phone. Hey, God, just, you know, I know you never heard heard of me, you know, but hey, just want to see if you could handle this miracle in my life. No. These are people who were known to be people of prayer. Last week, we talked about some of the reasons and we lightly touched on some of the reasons why people don't pray. Today, I want to spend some time looking at what our attitude should be towards prayer. I want to look at an outline that Jesus gave us to pray. And then I want to talk about the privilege of prayer through intercession. I want to look at some prayers that took place in the Bible and and what happened as a result of those prayers and what I believe we as believers can take from those prayers. I want to start in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39. Matthew chapter 26 um, is in the height of of Jesus' journey to the cross, right? So so, uh, Jesus is anointed, and uh, uh, Judas, of course, betrays Jesus. Uh, The Lord's Supper happens, and uh, Jesus is foretelling Peter's denial, and then uh, uh, in verse 36, uh, Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. It says, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he told his disciples, sit down, sit here while I go yonder and pray. 
And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to show grief and distress of mind and was deeply depressed. Then he said to them, my soul is very sad and deeply grieved so that I am almost dying of sorrow. Stay here and keep awake and keep watch with me. Verse 39, here we go. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground on his face and prayed saying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, not what I desire, but as you will, as you desire. So we see Jesus here in the garden, and, and, and he knows what's about to take place. He's, he's at this crossroad road that we find ourselves at oftentimes in our life. He's at this crossroad of my will versus thy will. My will, what I want to do, what, 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 how I want to move, how I want it to be processed versus what the Lord wants. There's a lot of times when our prayer is at this place. My will versus thy will. And, and what happens is we approach prayer sometimes with this sense of expectation that God's will should be our will. And that he should respond always in affirmation to our prayers and our will. But what Jesus shows us here is that in the face of agony, in the face of pain, in the face of ridicule, in the face of torture, being made a fool of, his response was nevertheless. Nevertheless. See, the overarching theme, the, the main idea, the curtain rod on which all of our prayers need to sit on is nevertheless. Nevertheless. Jesus voluntarily submitted himself to the Father's will at the hardest moment of his life. Prayer oftentimes is an opportunity for us to do the same. It's an opportunity for us to submit our will, sometimes at the hardest moments of our life. When we're praying for healing, when we're praying for breakthrough, when we're praying for the situation to be different, nevertheless. Prayer is an opportunity for us to realign our actions, to realign our emotions, to realign our thoughts with his plan and his purpose for our life. Nevertheless, not what I will, not what I desire, but as you will and as you desire. Prayer is not a lamp and God is not a genie. We make our requests known, as the scripture says, but our request has to be made with this attitude of, nevertheless, Lord, your will be done. Because Isaiah says, uh, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. He says, my ways are higher than your ways. We have a heavenly father that loves us, that cares about us, 
that sees all of eternity and he knows what we do and we do not need. We don't. I used this example earlier as I was talking and said, you have a child and your child just turned uh, uh, 17. Where the baker's at? Your child, your child just turned. And his kids say, hey, dad, can you get me a Lamborghini? <laughs> and, and you got the money to do it. And, and they're like, dad, can you get me a Lamborghini? And you're like, no, son. But dad, you don't understand. I need this Lamborghini. This, this, you don't, everybody, everybody's driving them. You don't understand, God. I know this, this will help me so much. This will better my life. This, this, I will be so much better behaved and, and this will improve my life so much. But as a father, you say no. Why? Because I, I see it. I know that you're not capable of handling this even though you're asking me for it and you're, you're begging me for it and you really want it and you really desire it and you just have to have it. But me, as a father, I know what's best for you. When we pray, we have to pray with this attitude that God knows what's best. And even though we, we may feel like we just want it and we have to have it and, and we just know that it would be so much better if this is answered, we have to have this attitude of nevertheless. We see things only in our perspective. But prayer allows us to get heaven's perspective on our earthly situation and heaven's viewpoint is a lot higher than ours. A lot higher than ours. See, nevertheless places us in this uh, uh, position that we're constantly crucifying our will. And it hurts. It's not good. It's, I'm not going to say like, oh, yeah, you know, you know this thing I really want? No, I don't want it anymore. No, it's not. It hurts because you really want it. Sound like kids. Well, you really want it. But we in this, in this place, prayer puts us in this place where we say, you know what, God? I'm going to crucify my will. I'm going to crucify what I want. Yes, Lord, I'd like, but, but nevertheless. Yes, Lord, I want to be taken out of this situation, but, but nevertheless. I want to not have to walk through this, Lord, but nevertheless. I really want this. I really think this would be good, God, but nevertheless, your will be done. Some of us need to thank God for nevertheless. God, I really believe this is my husband, God. God, he, he looks so good. And God, did you see him? He smiles and he just treats me so nice and he just treats me so, so right. And then a couple months later, you, you mad at God because he told you no, and then you see him, and you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. God, you, we dodged a bullet on that one. We need to thank God for nevertheless. 
nevertheless your will be done. Or, or it's like, oh, God, I could really, it, the men, God, you know, this job, Lord, Lord, you know, we could use more money and, and, and this, you know, it's a higher position and it's an opportunity to climb the ladder and, and it's so much more that I'll be able to do and I'll be able to take care of my family, God, and I can tithe more and I can give more, Jesus. And then a couple months later, the job is non-existent. Or you meet someone who works there and they're like, oh, this is the worst job ever. You're so lucky that you didn't get this job. And it's this moment of like, oh, thank you, Jesus. No, no, no. This is the nevertheless that we need to be thanking God for. We need to thank God for nevertheless. Because there are these times when we think that we know what we need. But when we submit our prayers and say, God, you know what? You, you're pretty good at this. I'm just going to let you have it. God, nevertheless, your will be done. Our attitude of prayer, the attitude that we have to bring into prayer, when we make our requests known and our desires should always be, Lord, nevertheless, as you will and as you desire. I know people, see, you know, they'd be lame and say, okay, Pastor, I, I get it. You know, I wasn't here last week. Just, can you just break it down for me? Like, pr- what is prayer? Prayer is our communication. With, it's how we talk to God. How we have our conversation. It's, it's how we communicate, how we speak to God. Because of Jesus, we have access to speak to the Father. Because of the sacrifice that was made, we have access to speak to the Father. Not only do we have access to speak to him, but he hears us. That's the difference. Well, what do you have to do? Nothing. Jesus, it is finished. Jesus did it. Well, what does that practically look like? For me, it's different for everybody. For me, I close my eyes because I could get distracted very easily. And I close my eyes and I begin conversation. God, thank you for waking me up. Thank you for this day. Thank you for what you're going to do, God. Just let your will be done today. Lord, open our our eyes so that we can minister to whoever it is. God, I thank you for this person. God, I lift up. It's our communication, but for everyone, it looks different. Somebody else, they may do it on their drive to work. Somebody else, they may have a prayer closet. Somebody else, mom and dad, they wake up early in the morning and go for it. How do we grow in prayer? I believe that we grow in prayer when we grow in recognition. We grow in recognition of God's involvement in our life. And there's something that happens when you see God move that you have this this gratefulness that you want to go thank him. So we grow in recognition. And then when we grow in gratitude, we are grateful for all that he's done. We're grateful for all that he's doing. And then when we grow in relationships. When we grow in a deeper understanding of who he is, when we grow in a a deeper understanding of his desire for us and, and, and what he has in store and what his word says, we grow in prayer. As that relationship begins to grow, and it may start out, uh, God, I need you. Amen. But it's not going to continue like that. Because what happens is, God, I need, well, before that, God, I, I want to say thank you because you answered that last prayer. And, 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 and you, uh, I know I didn't, I didn't have a reason that you should have did it, but you did it anyway, God. And so I just want to say thank you and God. And it begins to grow from there. 
We grow in recognition. We grow in gratitude. We grow in relationship. These are questions I'm often asked as a pastor, and, and it's awesome because the disciples had similar questions concerning prayer. How do we pray? And Jesus gave an outline. He gave a blueprint. He gave an example on what our prayer should entail. He said, if you're going to pray, here's some things that, that you want to make sure is covered. But even before he did that, he began to challenge the heart behind why we pray. He began to challenge, what are you, to make sure that you understand, again, that God isn't a genie. He said he's challenging the heart behind our prayer. Matthew chapter 6, and I want to start at verse 5. says, but when you go, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray publicly, standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets so that they may be seen by men. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, they already have their reward in full. See, Jesus is saying that the hypocritical religious leaders in that time, they, they would go pray loudly in public places and they would stand around where other people could see them. And then they would try to sound, sound fancy to impress other people by using big words. Jesus admonishes us that this is not how we pray. Prayer is not about a public show, but it's about a private life. I always used to wonder, you know, when I was little, uh, someone would be preaching, and then when they would pray, they would instantly get like this really deep voice, and their vocabulary would instantly extend. And I would always wonder what that was about. I was like, wait, you didn't just sound like that. What just happened? <laughs> Jesus says, no, 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 no. Don't do that, because the reward that you receive in this fake sense of, oh, you just... He must really know Jesus. He said, that's all the reward that you will get. Verse 6 says, but when you pray, when you pray, go into your most private room, close the door, pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Meaningless repetition. When you're young, you're taught a prayer. Most of us parents, we teach our kids how to pray when they're little. And if you're not careful, we say this prayer until Jesus comes and it just becomes this thing that we do. But as I look at this, Jesus is cautioning us. He says, no, 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 no. Don't take this as just... A, a moment, this is just something you want to just, says no. Meaningless repetition. No, this is your opportunity to speak to me. This is your opportunity to, to converse with me. He says, the Gentiles think that just because they keep saying the same thing over and over and over and over, they think that, that I'm going to hear them more in any way. They think that they're going to be heard because they use so many words. If anything, the less you say, the better. 
Because I know that there have been times where I didn't have the words. Scripture talks about how when we don't know what to pray, the Spirit is making intercession for us in in our groanings and our sighs. Because I know that I've had prayer that sometimes was just, Lord, help me. And that's all I had the strength for. So he says it's not in your meaningless repetitions. Verse 8 says, so do not be like them, praying as they do. For your father knows what you need before you even ask him. Your father knows what you need before you even ask him. You aren't there to bring the daily news to God. You're not like, hey, Jesus, hey, I don't know if you know what's going on. Just wanted to kind of let you know what's going on down here. I know you're busy. I just wanted to give you a little update on the situation, see if I can get your help on a few things. No. Oh. You aren't bringing the news to God. God is not unfamiliar with what's going on. But as we said in the beginning, prayer gives God access and permission to act on our behalf. God isn't just going to do whatever, whenever, because it's needed, because then he would be a genie and our relationship would only be based on what God can do for us. The consistency of our prayer life shows that God, and it aligns us with the fact that we not only are to seek his hand, but we are to seek his face. We are to seek his face. We need to seek his face. Then he gives us a model or a blueprint of how we should pray in verse 9. Model, blueprint. He says, this isn't exactly what you should say. I'm not saying that you should use meaningless repetition and learn it and just continue to say this exact thing. He says, here's a model. Here's, Here's pray in this way. Disciples. Followers of Jesus ought to pray right there. He's saying, pray in this way. That lets us know he expects us to pray. Our Father. Our Father. That means we're not only children. We're not the only ones. He says, our Father. Because sometimes we pray for things as if nobody else matters. God, I know, I know, I know, God, but this rain, I can't, you, I just got my hair done, it's pressed, it's bone straight, God, I got to walk out here, can we do something about the rain, Jesus? And I imagine heaven is like, don't she know it's a drought? There's people dying of, they need water, but we're like, no, Jesus, if you could just stop the rain. Just cancel it. God, we don't need it. He says, our Father. So be aware that when we pray that we're, we're all a family. And he's not just looking out for your need. He's looking out for all of our needs because he's all of our fathers. All right. He says, our Father. Our Father who is in heaven. Why is that important? Because uh, sometimes when you hear the word father, if you had a father like I had, um, my father was not in my life. My father was non-existent and his life was 
not a great life. So what you do subconsciously and sometimes what you do is you try to uh, uh, base your perception of father on your, on your earthly father. Jesus says, no, 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 no. First thing you need to do is you need to acknowledge that this is our father who art in heaven. So don't try to don't try to have this this situation or this thing where you say uh, 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 you base it off of the father who's here. He says, no, 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 no. I'm in heaven. Then he says, our father who art in heaven. And next thing he says is hallowed be thy name. Hollow. What does that mean? Hollow means set aside. It means holy. It means separate. It means it, it means different. It means it means not like anything else. This is hollow. He said, "Hallowed be thy name." So we need to recognize when we're talking to him that we're talking to a God that is holy. This ain't just an ordinary moment. This ain't just an ordinary conversation. It's not an ordinary person. You're just having conversation with your friend. No, 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 no. He says you're talking to your father who is in heaven, who is holy. Hallowed be your name. Verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He's saying, after you, you've recognized who you, who you, who you are and you've you recognized uh, uh, where I am and you've recognized uh, who I am and you've reverenced that, understand that whenever we come to pray, whenever we have conversations with the Lord, we must understand who we are communicating with. We must understand that. And then after we understand who we're communicating with, then we get to this place of your kingdom come, your will be done. We're challenged to remember before we even get to asking for anything that our whole purpose in being here is to fulfill the will of God. We are here to fulfill what God wants, when he wants it, where he wants it, and how he wants it. That is the purpose of us being here. And so our request and everything that follows, verse 11 on, has to be aligned with that thought. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's how he desires us to pray. Then lastly, I want to talk about the privilege of prayer. There's a privilege that's associated with prayer. We have an opportunity. We, we have a, a privilege that comes along with prayer. 2 Kings uh, chapter 6, verse 13. I'm going to try to be quick. I'm going to read through verse 17. He says, so he said. Go and see where he is so that I may send men and seize him. And he was told he is in Dothan. So let me give you an update. So 2 Kings, there's this king. This king, he's trying to uh, 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 kill the people who are in uh, Jerusalem. He's trying to, trying to kill God's people. But every time he tries to, to go and, and make a move, he's blocked. So he's trying to figure out, why is it every time, he's, it, why is it every time I make a move, something's happening? And so he's like, okay, it's a spy in the house. Where's the spy? Who's the spy? 
And they're trying to convince him because he want to kill whoever the spy. He's like, uh, uh, King, it's not us. It's not us. First of all, it's not us. Uh, what's happening is there is a prophet, and even the things that you say in your bedroom, he hears. Verse 13, he says, well, go and see where he is so that I may send men and seize him. And they said he's in Dothan, verse 14. So he sent horses and chariots and a powerful army there. They came by night, surrounded the city. The servant of the man of God got up early and went out. And behold, there was an army with horses and chariots encircling the city. Elisha's servant said to him, Oh, no, my master, what are we to do? Elisha answered, don't be afraid, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Verse 17, Elijah prayed and said, Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding Elisha. And when the Arameans came down, Elijah prayed to the Lord and said, please strike this nation, this people with blindness. And God struck them with blindness in accordance to Elijah's request. This story is amazing. While the prayer is short, it reveals a lot about Elisha, his relationship with God and his dependency on prayer. See, Elijah was in a seemingly, let's call it, bad situation. Okay, but he didn't let what it looked like alter his response. He didn't let what it looked like alter his response. His response was the same. His response, in fact, was the same as his mentor before him, Elijah. The situation arise. He wasn't alarmed at what was happening. He rested in what he knew, he rested in who he served, and he prayed. That's it. He prayed. And because Elisha was a man of prayer, prayer was his first response. We see certain death, he prayed. Certain death gets closer, he prays again. And what was awesome was Elijah's first prayer wasn't for him. His first prayer was for his servant. Which gets us again to think about how we communicate, what our prayers consist of. Lord, could you help me? Lord, could you bless me? Lord, could you fix this for me? Lord, could you do this for me? Elisha said, Lord, open his eyes so that he could see. Open his eyes so that he could see. We have this gift, this privilege of intercession. This privilege that we have. We talked last week about what happened when the church prays. And, and when the church was praying in, in that scripture, they, were, they weren't praying for themselves. They were interceding for another. See, prayer is the tool that we have that not only has the ability and the power towards us, but it gives us the ability to intercede to God on behalf of others. Some of the most impactful times in my life as a believer was when I had an opportunity to pray for someone else. Yeah. Yeah. 
to intercede on their behalf, to, to lift them up, to, to pray that God would intervene on their life. It's just, it's something different that comes up in you when you're praying for somebody else. And, you know, you're praying for yourself, but, but when somebody else is on the line, you, you pray a little different. Why? Because it means so much more to us in the building of our faith. When we use the authority that God has given us, when we proclaim the promises that, that God has given us, when we affirm all that God has done, and we're affirmed that God has heard us, he's heard the request, he's heard the prayer for someone else. And it's a reminder that God hears us. I told this story before, but I, 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 I often think about, about Jordy. The young lady who was up here uh, doing the announcements, I often think about her. And um, I've told this story before. Um, I'm in service. And um, at this time, I was a guest service coordinator. I'm behind the tech booth. The service is about to happen. The service is going on. Everything's going. And I get a call from Jordy. Uh, uh, Jordy has, oh, she had, excuse me, uh, she had this thing that she had been suffering with for a long time. She had been praying, she had been praying, and, and, and she was in the hospital this day. And she calls me, and she's, she just, she was at a place of low faith that day. And I can hear her, and I hear the machines in the background, and I hear her trying to speak as she's taking a breath. And, and, and she's just tired because at this point, there's, there's been a couple of surgeries and things that didn't go well, and, and, this, and this happened, and then that happened, and then there's a car. It's just a lot that was happening, and she's at a point where she's just tired. And I never forget in that moment, I walk over and um, at, at the church I was at that time, they have this, this daycare and there's a uh, uh, nursery and no one's in there. And I'm in there and, and I was like, you know, this is it. God, I, I need to pray. So as she's talking and she finishes, I was like, okay, well, you know what? Let's just pray. Let's pray right now. I just want to pray over you right now. And as I begin to pray for her, I, it just begin to something just begin to stir up on the inside of me, and and it wasn't like one of those calm God. I just really just thank you that you just no no no. I, I begin pacing back and forth, and I'm I'm going and walking around in a circle, and I'm beseeching heaven with everything that I have on behalf of this situation. Because my wife and I have walked with Jordy and walked with Chelsea at this time through this process for about a year and a half and through just through life and through different things. And so this is not somebody I just random. This is somebody that I care about, somebody that I know. And so when I'm going to God, it's almost as if I'm going to God as if it were me in this moment. And, and it's this gift of, of intercession. And I'm praying, God, if you could just, God, God, it, it's this moment that she served you faithfully, God. God, she's in this, she, she needs you to come. If you could just, just God, just, just allow your, your healing uh, power just to overwhelm her, God. Show her your love, God. And I just begin to just go in. And what I realized in that moment is that this is, this is how God desires us to pray. God, 
desires us that when we go to him, that when we come to him, when we when we're have someone that comes to us and they say that they need prayer, it shouldn't just be a habit thing that we do and we just say, God, I just thank you that you bless him. God, I thank you that you, no, 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 no. If you're going to pray for me, you better pray for me. Because I, I, don't, I don't want this, this pitter pat. I go, go, I, what I tell people is I said, if you're going to pray for somebody, pray for them as if it was you. Pray for them as, as if it was the last opportunity that you had. Because in reality, you never know. And this is how much it blessed me. Because make no mistake, I am no different than you. I don't have a, a higher, I don't have the, the corner market on prayer. It's not God hears me more than he hears anybody else. But here's the thing that it does when you pray for somebody else and, and when you're in that moment and, 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 and you pray for them and God answers that prayer, every time you see them, it is an affirmation for you that God hears you. God listens to you, that you spoke to the creator of heaven and earth, and he heard you and he responded. It's this gift of intercession, this privilege that we have, this thing where we can, I, my wife, I, don't come to me. They're like, Pastor Keenan, you know, service is over. You really should go to the back. No, 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 no. I want to pray for somebody. I dare them to come to me. Because God has given us this gift. Don't let your prayers just be about you. Let your prayers, this gift that you have, intercede on someone's behalf. Because there's somebody who needs you to pray for them. There's somebody who needs you to lift their hands up in this moment. There's somebody who needs you to seek God because they're too weak to, or maybe their, their faith is at a low place. They need you. Use the gift that God has given you to pray. To pray. Prayer is our lifeline communication to the Father. It's not optional. It's not something that can be overlooked. It's the most vital tool that we have as believers. There is power in our prayer. There is power in our prayer. There's, there's people who are depending on us. Our lives, our situation, those who are around us need prayer. We have to become people of prayer. Our family, our friends, this church depends on it. Pray and pray without ceasing. Talked to Aunt Ruby, uh, my Aunt Ruby here a couple of weeks ago and I, I was speaking to her. She says, what do you need me to do? Uh, there's some people, and I'm going to we got to go. There's some people you just want to pray for you. There's some people you know. 
And as I'm talking to her, she says, you know, what can I do? And I said, I really need you to pray. And I said, what I realize is that the only way that this church will grow, the only way that we will see God do what he wants to do in this church, the only way that, that God is going to move in people's lives, the only way that God is going to make a transformation in this city, the only way that his presence will be felt in the city of Woodland is when God's people come together and pray. It's not, it's not people uh, giving money. It's, it's, it's not uh, uh, people coming together for, for coffee and, and to get a feel-good moment. No, it's people's lives being changed. And that happens when we pray.